So reading from Isaiah chapter 45, starting at verse 18. For this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. And now, will you turn with me to page 1,179, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, You may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Thanks for having me. Uh, Greetings from the plains, from the city. Uh, I kind of feel like every time I drove up here, it's only my second time. Um, every time I drive up here, it feels like a holiday. You know, the, the kind of thing that you would do on a weekend away, you go away, uh, you go to a nice place, you know, and uh, you know, up in the hill somewhere where it's nice and quiet and feels serene. And I can't hear a single car out there. Like, you can't hear a thing. This is the place you come to for a weekend away. So I feel like I'm on holidays at the moment. So thanks for having me here. Um, why don't I pray? Uh, and then uh, let, me, let me open up Philippians for you. Father, we give you great praise today that uh, you are with us, you are amongst us, and Father, you are working your wonders in us. Uh, Father, as we hear your words uh, that you have spoken long, long time ago, you are affecting it into our hearts, uh, you are making it clear to us, and Father, you are moving us even to, uh, to follow, to believe in you. So Father, we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen.
there is a uh, coastal town. Uh, you know, you go from the hills all the way to the coast. There's a coastal town in New South Wales called Newcastle. Uh, and it's, it's one of those towns that's about an hour and a bit away from the city. Uh, and it's like, you know, Sydney's attempt to try and move all the population out of the city and up the coast. Uh, and it's, it's lovely. It's like, the, it's like the Victor Harbour of uh, New South Wales, of Sydney. Uh, and there's a church in there called uh, Hunter Bible Church. Uh, and there was a new pastor that, that started it, uh, oh, a few years ago. And we thought, uh, as a person who came from Sydney, uh, we, had, we thought we were really keen on doing mission. And I remember being struck uh, during, my, uh, during my university days. Uh, I had lots of time during the summertime, and I thought, what better way to spend my summer uh, than to, to spend time with people who want to know about Jesus? And so I, what I did was I offered to bring 50 people from Sydney, from all these various churches uh, uh, with, with multicultural kind of gatherings, uh, to this town in Newcastle. Now, I, I said, would you like us? Like, if we, if we came with 50 people, do you think you could use us to help you with your mission to Newcastle? Uh, and the pastor, his name is Greg Lee, he said, oh, yes. I said, that's what, that's what we did. So we brought 50 people, brought them up to Newcastle, uh, and we spent 10 days on a town mission in partnership with the church. Now, I'm going to tell you, like, I, I tell you that with great exuberance now, and I, I, I met them uh, last year at a conference, uh, and we called, it, we called this mission Newcastle Alive. Newcastle Alive, right? And what happened was that a few years later, after I'd finished up with them, um, they planted another mission team in Maitland, in a town nearby, who then, in turn, planted another mission team in Singleton. I, I didn't know about this at all until last year. So I found out I was, I was just really, really, uh, my heart was just warmed to see all the work that's been put in and, and the fact that they've kind of spread to the point now where they have a mission uh, during the summertime. They don't require 50 people to come and help them anymore. They just keep running it. And, and they, it's, it's brilliant. Now, you, you think for a moment, okay, uh, I talk about this uh, and I think, wow, that, that, that worked out really well. But can you just imagine how much of a mess it could have been? <laughs> Picking people, 50 people from, from churches all over Sydney who had no idea about Newcastle. Go to Newcastle, and they have, they have their bunch of people as well, and we were going to try and work together in order to reach out to Newcastle. Can you imagine the mess that could have happened? Uh, the amount of uh, misunderstandings that could have happened or, or jealousy or, or rivalry, or disunity. That was, that was immense. That was, I remember one time where uh, we had booked this, this, this school hall, and that was, that was the place where we were going to do our activities. Uh, and then there was, a, it, there was a double booking. And so this group of people, from, from, uh, uh, they were Maori people, and they were coming, they were, they were supposed to use the, the hall, and we thought, oh, well, I guess we, can't just, we, just, can't, we just have to vacate for about uh, three hours. Uh, and we thought, nothing happened. There was no riot. There was no police called. There was no problems, but the, 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 the potential for problems, the potential for disaster was huge, and yet it is testament only to God that it ran with good-heartedness and single-mindedness and humility. But I look back and I think, boy, that was an amazing, that was an amazing work that God did, all because, all because of what we're about to hear today. It could only happen only because of what we're about to see in Philippians today. God wants to convince us to be co-workers, 
confident in Christ. And as we do so, we are to value each other. There is a world out there to reach. Praise God, the world is even coming into our church. And we are a family with much diversity. Uh, It is going to fail if we don't pay attention to what God's going to say today. Because what he's going to do is he's going to grip us with Jesus and his ridiculous love. That's what he's going to do today. So I hope you're ready for this. Let me pray before we move on. Father, we give you great praise that uh, you are going to move us, and we pray that you would do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Our passage today flows on from last week's passage. So last week we heard about how the Philippians are to chapter 127, conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, and to stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And this passage today, it has that same concern to advance the gospel, but we're going to hone in on what doing that together looks like. We'll see how valuing each other comes from, number one, being united with Christ. Number two, having the same mindset of Christ. And number three, God's work in us. And so if you're following on in your leaflets, we're up to number two. We are united with Christ. Right from verse one, God is already pulling his family together with a list of blessings from Christ. He says, if you have, and if any, but everyone knows it's not a question of whether they have experienced these things, but a certainty that they have. It's like when I go to my kids and I say, you know, if you appreciate what your daddy has done for you, you might just like to do something special for Father's Day. Maybe. No self-interest in it whatsoever. It's not very subtle, is it? The Philippians, well, if in Philippians isn't really an if, it's a, it's a surely. So listen to what God lists out as sure, sure blessings of Christ in verse 1. They are united with Christ, such that when God looks upon us, he sees Jesus. And what he says to us is, because he sees Jesus, he says, you are right with me, and I will bless you, and I will raise you just like I raised Jesus. They've received Christ's love. We will see that his love meant giving of himself to death. They have partnership in the Spirit, who is the same Spirit of Christ who is provided to keep Paul the Apostle persevering to follow Jesus. They have tenderness and compassion, which is again linked to Jesus and God's mercy. It's quite a list, isn't it? Uh, Christ Christ has been at work in encouraging them, in uniting them, comforting them, providing for them, showing them mercy. I kind of wonder how, you, how we think the Philippians will be feeling at that point. I wonder how you are feeling. You know, when you hear those words of how God has blessed us already, how do you feel about that? I remember being at my children's birth, uh, which was an amazing privilege. Uh, I know it's easy for me to say because, you know, there wasn't much pain on my end. You know, the only, the only really discomfort was sleeping on the floor and waiting for the, for the birth to arrive. But that's like nothing, right? And I, I, I was, it was just such a revelation of just how little I could do. You know, there, there was the doctors, uh, and they were doing their thing. And there was my wife having the physical workout of her life. 
And then there was the nurses who were doing their thing, and then there was me with a camera. You're not really supposed to take a whole lot of pictures at that point. But that's all I could do. And out comes this beautiful, beautiful baby boy, times two in my, in my respect. And I, I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude uh, to the hospital staff, to my wife. And you know what? I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude to my mother. And so when my mother turned up uh, uh, to the hospital to see my, our new birth, I remember just giving her the biggest hug that I could give. And I said, oh, now I kind of get a, a little bit of an understanding of what you went through to have me. And I was, I was a cesarean baby too. How much more do we benefit from the care of Christ? Well, he has done so much to bless us. He has done so much to unite us. He has done so much to comfort us and keep us persevering. How might we feel about God? We can feel Paul's warmth when he says, then make my joy complete in verse 2. He is prayed with joy because of their partnership with him. And joy is this wonderful big theme in this letter. They've already have a lot of love for each other. So it's kind of fitting that Paul appeals to their closeness and draws them to Jesus. And notice how Paul exhorts them based on who they already are. You are united with the blessings of Christ. So be united with one another. Be like-minded with the same love, one in spirit and mind. It's a picture of living in unity. Same thinking and intentions, loving one another, being one in spirit, which is about striving together for the cause of the gospel. We have a missions pastor in, a, in the city, and his name is Arthur. Um, it's, it's really funny because I, I, I watched him at his, uh, uh, in a, at his work in one of the, uh, the evangelism courses that he runs. And there he was. He's from Singapore. Uh, and then he had a trainee who was from India. And then another person who was from Australia. Got to, got to fit an Australian there somewhere. Um, and then there, was this, there, was this, there was this lovely multicultural team. And there he was. There he was working on how to train each other and caring for each other and partnering with each other with the gospel to share with the, with the numbers of people who came to the course to hear about Jesus. Now, I, I, uh, I made it an assumption last week because I thought, you come to Mount Barker, there must be people who are very much alike in Mount Barker, right? And then at the door, uh, as I was, I was leaving, uh, people said, well, actually, let me, just, let me just show you the diversity we have in our midst. And so I met a New Zealander. There might have been more. Uh, I met some South Africans. I met some English people. I met an Ethiopian, even a Bogan. How about that? I won't tell you who that was. Not really. There's no Bergens here in Mount Barker. But we have a diversity here, don't we? And we're talking about a people uniting together in partnership from different backgrounds. And here we are in Mount Barker and you are doing just that. How wonderful is that? That's what the Philippians are called to be and so are we. Which is just in keeping with the actions God wants in verses 3 to 4. Not treating each other with selfish ambition or vain conceit. And that's what motivated the preachers, you remember, in, uh, in chapter 1. Uh, they're the ones who try to get Paul in trouble. That's what motivated them. We're not supposed to be like that. Instead, 
We are to treat each other with humility and valuing others above ourselves. And he emphasizes the contrast again, not looking to our own interests, but the interests of others. Uh, I remember meeting a, uh, an international from uh, China, uh, and he'd become a Christian when he arrived in Adelaide. And uh, I, remember, I remember getting him to, uh, to get involved in, uh, in welcoming. Uh, and he said, I, this, this is really hard, because if I, if I meet someone, I don't know what to talk to them about. I mean, they're, they're from a different country. Uh, they might have different interests. I play basketball. I don't know what, what they play. I, I watch I watch movies stream from China. Uh, I think they watch TV that's from Australia. What, what am I going to do? And I said, brother, are you a Christian? He said, yes. Well, you realize that when you meet people at church, even though they might look different, smell different, eat different, speak slightly differently, you realize that they actually believe in Jesus like you. Now, if that's the case... That actually means you have more in common with people here than you imagine. If you are looking for something to talk about, talk about Jesus. I could say this going across the world to a different country. And if I meet a Christian, I say, how is your walk with Jesus? And we hit it off like that. That is the unity that we have that is bought by Christ. Value each other as you seek to send out the gospel. Firstly, because we are united with Christ. And secondly, do so with the mindset of Christ. Friends, we are about to be treated to the magnificence of Jesus as we look into his mindset. Verse 6 reminds us of who Jesus truly is. He is God. I chose Isaiah 45 as our Old Testament reading because, well, our passage actually refers to it later on. And there we hear how God is described. He is the covenant God of Israel who has been faithful to the utmost to his promises. He is the one who created the heavens, who fashioned the earth. He is the one who made the sun, who made the stars, the moons, the galaxy, the Milky Way. He is the one who took nothing and molded it into planet Earth. And with planet Earth in his hands, he said, I'll put Mount Barker right there. I'll put, I'll put Handoff just a little bit further away. I'll put the Adelaide city down in the plains. Hang on, I'll just poke it in there a little bit. And I'll put a little bit of cloud separating the two so that you know, the people down there don't have any idea how good it is up here. I'm sorry to say, I think the cat's out of the bag. All made out of nothing by God. And it is the same God who said, there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. Yet Jesus is in very nature God. So all of creation owe our existence and allegiance to Jesus, for the Father and the Son are one, the Son equal to the Father. There is only one God, not three gods, as the Mormons believe. If he wanted to, 
Jesus could have spelt the words, I am God, using the stars as his paint. And he could have said, I am God, with the whole universe singing, Jesus rocks the world. He could have done that. But instead, verse 7, he does the even more remarkable. What he does is that he makes himself nothing. He could have rightly used his equality with God to his own advantage. Instead, he becomes a servant. He becomes a human. When I was little, uh, we had a little pet chicken um, that, uh, that kind of grew out of a little egg. And uh, mum knew, mom knew all about raising chickens. And so she taught us about how to keep the egg warm, how to make sure that uh, when, when the chick kind of came out, you fed it with grain and with water, and it grew and grew. And one day, I discovered why you never named a chicken. You know where this is going, don't you? Yeah. Now, us Leos, we, we love chicken. Absolutely love chicken. But that night, nobody wanted chicken. Now, I've wondered, what, I've wondered what it'd be like to be many things in my life, but I have never once wondered what it'd be like to be a chicken. <laughs> I, don't know whether it's, I don't know whether you've thought about it before, but I, it has never come across my mind. But here is God, created the universe, made absolutely everything, including chickens, right? Mighty creator, everlasting sustainer, decides to become human extraordinary notice that jesus willingly did so because some accuse god of being this cosmic child abuser but what we see here is god the son voluntarily humbling himself not also that when it says that he was made the idea here is becoming and not created like we are created and so in your leaflets it says that the nicene creed there's a little excerpt of that from a nicene creed Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. He didn't give up being God when he became man. And here is where we disagree with the Jehovah's Witnesses who say that Christ is the first and highest created being. No, no, we don't believe that. We didn't believe that when Jesus was, was, uh, had become man, that he gave up being God. No, no, Jesus was not created, but he eternally exists as God, yet becoming a man. And the shame and dishonor, it continues. As Jesus doesn't stop at becoming a man, he, he humbles himself further by submitting himself to death. And the worst of deaths, on a cross, reserved only for the vilest of offenders. And yet Jesus is no sinner, but perfectly, sinlessly God. Are we getting a sense of Christ's mindset of humility here? God calls us to look to the interests of others, and we have God himself who looked to our own interests. Because if it wasn't Jesus on that cross... It would have been us. Each and every one of us nailed there, eternally judged for the offense against God. If that doesn't move us to unite together, nothing will. 
Brothers and sisters, the more that we praise God for Jesus, the more we're going to humble ourselves before each other in extraordinary measure. It's, it's just not possible to take in God becoming man and start insisting on our rights with each other. See, the only way that our partnership or our working together is going to actually work is if we look upwards together. Uh, some people, we, we kind of make the mistake and say, well, what, no, no, what we're going to do is we've got to look at each other and we've got to work at each other so that we walk along. No, no, what happens is that when you do that only, you start comparing with each other. And you say, well, that person, well, I don't feel as that person. Or that person expects of me. And then what we do is we stop caring and we stop helping and serving when we think the other person isn't well, thankful. What we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be looking up together. If we can get the whole church looking up towards God together, then what happens is that we move ahead in unity because we have our sights on Jesus. The reason why we would care for one another is because Jesus has cared for us. The reason why we would go to the world to share the gospel with people Yes, it's because they need it, but because Jesus has saved us. That's, that's got to be the biggest reason. And if that is our reason, then we would, we would just unleash and give the same way that God has given. You think he expects stuff back? As if, as if, he, um, as if he requires our praise? As if he needs our worship? No, 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 God doesn't need it. But he is pleased to have it. Friends, the only way that we're going to move together, the only way that we're going to reach Mount Barker here, is we keep our sights on Jesus. You do that, and we will walk together so closely. There was no lower point that Jesus could reach than his death on a cross. But there is no higher point that his Father could exalt him than where he is right now. Just listen to the language here. Highest place, above every name, every knee, every tongue. You look for anyone who is honored higher than Jesus and you won't find a single one. You look for anyone who is humbled under Jesus and you will find every. It's describing what is reality now and the future. We might not see everyone bowing our knees before him now, but we do see some, including ourselves. And we will see all at the end of time. It's such a certainty that God describes it as a present reality. According to uh, to Forbes, which is a a business magazine, uh, at the top of the list of most powerful people in 2018... Is who? Do you know who it is? It's Xi. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Xi Jinping. Uh, he is the general secretary of the Communist Party of China. Go figure. The leader of the world's most populated country and second largest economy. CNBC says that Xi Jinping is filling the vacuum in global leadership that has been created by the chaos of the Trump administration. How about that? You know where Trump turns up? Number three. Malcolm Turnbull didn't turn up on the list. 
unfortunately. You know who Malcolm Turnbull is? It's okay, Scott Morrison now. But interestingly, FIFA president Gianni Infantino, well, he turns up on the list. <laughs> well, God has published his own list of most, most powerful people, Turnbull still doesn't turn up, and neither does Trump. There is only one person on his list, and that is Jesus. The person under whom every single knee will bow. Every tongue will confess him. Isaiah 45 describes God as the one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge. The words on everyone's lips will be, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. Isaiah 45. Every one of his enemies will be put to shame, but every one of his people will be delivered and make their boast in him. In Philippians, we see the Father himself exalting the Son and directing all the creation to boast in Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that as Jesus is glorified, it is done to the glory of God the Father. The whole of biblical history has been leading to this. All the expectations of God coming to judge, to renew, to save, to be glorified, all fulfilled with Jesus, his death, and his exaltation. As in Isaiah, it's going to be good news for some, but it's going to be bad news for others. It's good news for us because, well, God has let us see who Jesus is and we bow our knees before him. But there are others for whom they have not placed it, they, they, they have not bowed before Jesus yet. Thankfully, there is still time. There is still time to turn to Jesus. And friends, if you are here and, and, and you are here just investigating Christianity at the moment, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, let me just say, it's so great that you're here. But may I encourage you to please consider who Jesus is and what he is saying here. Consider his humility, but consider his lordship as well. Well, we've just been told with absolute certainty that Jesus is exalted and that every person is going to fall before him. And we don't have to wait for the end to, uh, to, to praise him. We can actually do that now. We don't have to wait till then when Jesus returns to finally bow our knees. We can do that now. We can do that in song. We can do that in prayer. We can do that as we, as we converse together, as we partner together. Value each other as united people with a mindset of Christ and according to God's work in us. And that's the last section in our, in our passage here. The Philippians are, verse 12, to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. And they are to live consistently to who they are, saved people through the humility of Jesus. To conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, as it says in chapter 1. It's valuing each other as people united by Christ as they sent out the gospel without grumbling, verse 14, without arguing. They're to do it with fear and trembling because, well, we know where the whole world is heading. Holding on to, holding out the word of life in verse 16. Not only for the sake of others, but also for their own sake. And just like God in, in chapter 1 is completing his work in us, 
He is, in verse 13 in chapter 2, at work in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, there is a great, there is a great need to send the gospel out and to partner together to do it. But God has not left us to our own devices to do it. It's not as if he's pumped lots of things in us and just kind of wound us up and let us go. No, he is still present with us. And in the words of Ezekiel 36, God has put his spirit in us and moves us to follow his decrees. So it isn't about finding strength from our inner self. It's not about all the things that we need to roll up our sleeves to do. You don't have to be an Oprah. She's, a, she's got a quote. She says, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is a stepping stone to greatness. Sounds stirring, doesn't it? There's another quote from Alan Cohen, who's, a, who's an author. He says, to love yourself right now, just as you are, is to give yourself heaven. Don't wait until you die. If you wait, you die now. If you love, you live now. I can't help but think that you've got quotes like this from Oprah, from Alan Cohen, and they have nowhere else to turn but to themselves to find strength. There is no other place you're going to find motivation than from yourself. But hear what God is saying. God is saying, I am making you pure. I am making you blameless. I am making you righteous before me. You are going to, you're going to shine like stars in the sky, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, not because of you, not because of your goodness, not because of your strength, but because of Jesus. We can choose to let the results of God's work radiate out from us, just like stars. Or we can choose to try and cover it up and blend into the darkness of the world. Which are we going to choose? You do realize that the brightness of Christ is going to explode soon anyway. Which will we choose? We have some wonderful examples in Paul. Timothy and Epaphroditus to learn from. There's Paul who willingly sacrifices himself for the sake of the Philippians. There's Timothy with his genuine concern for them and Paul. And, and ultimately for Christ, his eyes are looking up. There's Epaphroditus, a, a co-worker with Paul, tending to his needs, almost dying for the work of Christ. God says, honor people like him. These are co-workers confident in Christ. And they're valuing each other. And so I think we, we need to make sure that we have a culture of honoring our self-sacrificial evangelists. Uh, I, I think they're a special breed. <laughs> I, I met one the other day. Uh, uh, we met and we had some coffee and I was just chatting to him about some of the things that he might like to get involved in in church because he's kind of new in, in Trinity in the city. Um, and I asked him, what, <clears throat> what is it that you get passionate about? <clears throat> this is what he said. He said, 
Well, I've kind of had a go at a few things. I've, I've led Bible studies before, uh, and I've, I've run uh, music before. I can sing, I can and play guitar, um, and I'm thinking about doing some things to do with membership. Uh, and I've had a go with evangelism before, and I, I, that, was, that was okay. And I went, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just, just, just hold the boat a minute. Did you say that you find talking to people about Jesus really easy? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm really open telling people about Jesus. Like, I, I love it when they have questions. I, I love it when, uh, when, when, they, when there's a little sparkle in their eye and they want to know more about him. And, and it's great because I, I get to talk to them about Jesus. I bring them along all the time. And I went, you, you do realize that you're weird. <laughs> I, I, I'm being nice about this, okay? So you, you're a little weird because most people find talking to absolute strangers and even friends, mind you, talking to people about Jesus, it, it's, it's just terrifying. But you find it's easy. He said, oh yeah. I said, I think God has gifted you in a particular way. <laughs> I think you should go and... and I think we should maybe run things around you. If you want to bring like people, your friends along to come and hear about Jesus, how about we get a team around you so that we can, we can, we can share and support what you're doing? He said, oh, that's a good idea. I'll go home and pray about it. I'm praying about him too. But, but guys, can I just tell you, if you've got people here like that, can, can I just encourage you to honor them? And if you are able, can, can you please take all this stuff, the other stuff that they're doing, take it off their hands. You go and do the, uh, the coffee. You, you go and do the leaflet. No, you go and do the setting up. You go and do the looking after the kids. Just make sure that those guys amongst you, they have the ability to go and tell people about Jesus. Because you know what? That's going to be great for Mount Barker. But that's going to be great for you guys too. Because there is no greater inspiration and encouragement than to see one of our brothers and sisters so passionate about Jesus, so passionate in sending the news of Jesus to Mount Barker. Can I encourage you in that? I, I realize that uh, you know, with, with the foxes that are kind of imminently going, if not already, uh, I realize that Clayton was the one who's really been pushing mission here in church. And so there is a really great, there's a really great gap at the moment. Uh, and that is, we need some people here in Mount Barker to take that from Clayton and to keep running with it. Uh, I believe he, he used to run uh, Simply Christianity. Uh, let me tell you that I used to run Simply Christianity, and it's really simple. Go, go figure. Simply Christianity is simple to run. Uh, there is great training material there, uh, and it's very easily accessible. It's actually not that hard to do. Um, I realize that, uh, that, that it's... It's kind of you know putting before you uh, something to uh, to consider when actually you're you're missing a significant staff member. But can I just put it to you? If there is a person here who's willing to run simply Christianity, so that people can hear about Jesus, can I encourage everyone to rally around them to make sure that that happens, that that doesn't go off the boil? Because the greatest thing that's going to grow you, according to Philippians two, is if you are partnering together. If you are united, if you are valuing each other for the sake of the gospel going out. You want to see how you're going to grow during this time? You want to see how you're going to love each other during this time? That's how God is doing it in you. Let me pray. Father, we give you great praise. 
We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We thank you that he is in very nature God. Yet he did not consider equality with you something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, we thank you that he made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant becoming in human likeness. And yet being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Father, we thank you that he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Father, we give you even more praise that you have exalted him to the highest place. That you have given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And Father, our tongues join with those others to acknowledge that he is Lord to your glory. Amen.